Second um, Timothy chapter three. We're finishing out chapter three. Uh, we've been in chapter three for a few weeks. Uh, we are finishing out chapter three this week. Um, but we are continuing our study through um, first or second Timothy. We we we've gone through first Timothy. We're working through second Timothy and then we're going to end up in Titus. These are called the pastoral epistles. And this started back in July with a question. Um, originally, why do we have deacons? What's the point of deacons? And we ended up instead of doing one topical message over that one question, I decided we're going to do an expository series through these three books over why the church is the church and why we do what we do and who who runs it, who leads it, offices, all that kind of fun stuff. Paul writes these letters to a young pastor named Timothy. That's the reason it's called Timothy. Um, Paul is writing these letters to this young pastor and Last week, Paul gives Timothy a reminder. So we saw last week in the text where Paul reminds Timothy that, listen, you're, you're going to struggle. There's going to be, um, there's going to be um, persecution. And then he gives examples of that persecution. He didn't just say, hey, hey, you're going to go through it. He's going to say, listen, I've been through it. I've got the T-shirt. I got one in Lystra, one in Iconium. I got all, all these different places that I've actually had different things take place. And how he was driven out, how he was mocked, and how he was even stoned in one city. They literally thought he was dead. They hit him with so many rocks, they drug his they thought lifeless corpse out of the town and the apostles gathered around him. His, his crew, his tribe gathers around him and they, he gets back up and says, okay, let's go to the next one. <laughs> it just doesn't, you can't quit. You can't get Paul down. So that was last week in the text in verse 11. We only did one verse last week. This week we're going to do a whole lot more. So um, I'm excited to, to jump into this. This week, Paul explained on this idea of persecution. He gave examples last week of where that had taken place and we walked through those three different towns where Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra where he was uh, persecuted and this week he expands on that idea in verse 12. So we're going to start in chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in, starting in verse 12. <clears throat> Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we open up this text and we expand on this idea from the text, Father, I pray that you would speak mightily through the text. May I step aside, may no one see me, but may they see and hear you through this text. Um, be glorified through what is said here. Be honored. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Amen. 
<clears throat> so, we see here in this text that those who are going to live a life that is godly, who pursue righteousness, who are pursuing holiness, will be persecuted, will be mocked, will be treated poorly by a pagan and lost world. Those friends you once had from your past, uh, your past life, they're going to mock you for your religious, you found religion and it ruined you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, actually expands on this idea as well. Peter says, For you have spent enough time in the past carrying out the same desires as the pagans or the Gentiles, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you okay so peter's given this example he says okay listen every one of you in the room we've all had a moment where we had something in our past where we had a past life we had a past attitude we had a past sin that we maybe we we jumped into peter gives some pretty detailed stuff as to what some people used to do right and then he says with respect to these kinds of things, don't be surprised when, when they say, hey, let's go out and get wasted this weekend. Come on, let's go. And you go, uh, no, not going to do that. Wh- why not? Well, I'm a Christian. I don't get wasted. I don't carouse. I don't run around and do the things that I used to do because I've been bought with a price. I'm a different man. Christ has redeemed me from my sins and he set me free from the path of going to hell. I'm not going to live that way anymore. And they say, what? You, you loser. Really? Don't be surprised with these respects that they, they malign you. They mock you. They make fun of you. You You want to be, oh, you're just holier than thou now, huh? That's what you are. Okay, let's see what you're doing now. So many people will get nervous about thinking about this kind of stuff. This is the reason so many people, man, I don't know if I want to go all in on this Christian thing because, man, I've I've got some friends that aren't in on this stuff and they're going to make fun of me. They're going to make fun of me about this. I don't know. I've got some friends that I don't, I mean, I don't want to be mocked. I don't want to be made fun of. For those who are, who are worried about this, these former friends who are going to mock you? Verse 5 in 1 Peter gives you some hope and gives you the destination of what these people are going to experience that are doing this in verse 5. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I make you a promise. I make you a promise. Those who mock your Christian beliefs and your Christian values will one day have to give an account to the God of this universe. And listen, we aren't walking in and going, hey, what's up, JC? What's up, daddy-o? That's not how that's going to work. He is the sovereign king of the universe. That doesn't work. God will judge 
It's funny because people say stuff like this. Well, you can't judge me. Only God can. I'm like, you realize how terrifying that is. <laughs> you understand that that's much worse than me judging you. I'd much rather have you judge me. Because what are you going to do if you judge me? You're going to ignore me or just make fun of me? Okay, cool, whatever. God does much more than that. He sends people to hell. He does. Why? Because they refuse to submit to his commands. God can judge. And that is much worse. And to try to think that that's your cool out, that that's your, that's your comeback. The only God can judge me. That's terrifying. It should really cause you to quake and think, wow, the God of the universe, the one who allows me to be able to breathe, is the one who is going to judge me at the end of this. And I am either going to be covered by the grace and the mercy and the blood of Christ because I've repented of my sins and trusted in that, or I'm going to have to pay for my sins in an eternity of hell. There's no, if, there's not, well, I like a door number three. It, biblically, there is not a door number three. You have trusting Christ and living in his grace and mercy for all eternity, or you will be in the wake of God's wrath for all eternity. One of the two. One of the two. You, you might think I'm crazy. You might trash talk me. But God will destroy those who refuse to repent of their sinfulness. That's why God, through Paul, says in verse 13, While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. People that are evil, evil people, people that are minus God, that are separated from God, that refuse to repent of their sins. They're like, listen, I'm just going to take my chances. I think I'm a pretty good old boy. I think I'm all right. They're going to continue to be deceived and they're going to continue to get worse and worse. Stop worrying about what the lost world is doing. Christian, stop worrying what the lost world thinks about you. Stop. It doesn't matter. Start worrying and focusing on what God thinks about you and says for you to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. So from the beginning of this, remember what you've been taught. Remember what you've been reading in the text. Remember the scriptures. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I, I like this translation. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know what is true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. Paul said, listen, I've got a track record. Okay? Trust me. I have been in the presence of Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who taught me. And listen, there were disciples in the midst of all this as well. They were the ones in the middle of being taught by the Lord Jesus himself. And they're trying to teach these things. And the, and the religious day, the religious people, and the pagans, both Gentiles and the religious Jews, are constantly persecuting them. Because... The pagans are over here going, oh, you're just a goody two-shoe holier than thou. 
And the religious guys are saying, oh, you're worshiping a false god. And so they're coming from all sides. But the idea here, Paul tells Timothy, in other words, keep pressing into the scriptures and the teachings that those that have, those that have taught you, keep pressing into them. Don't back down from these things. Keep going. Keep pursuing God's word. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. The faithful men who have poured into your life, Timothy, and listen, the faithful men and women who have poured into your lives in this room, listen, they've done the time studying the text. There's people that are smarter than you. and that, like There's guys that are smarter than all of us in the room put together when it comes to this book. And they've done the time and they've done the studying and they, they have seen it in the text. Well, you trust an old musty book. That's crazy. I'll trust my science book. Wasn't that written by men? <laughs> Wasn't that... Oh, I'll trust that the world came from, from rocks, from billions of years of rain. Okay, you trust in rocks. I'm going to trust in Jesus. Come on. You trust in your... But here's the beautiful thing. God created science. <laughs> okay, cool. God created math. God created all these things. Trust the faithful men who have poured into you and into your life and who have done the time to study God's word and to understand the text and who have poured this into you. Now, you carry the torch, Timothy, to the next group. Carry the torch. This is what the idea when Jesus said, make disciples, make copies, keep going. If you're trusting in me, well, we're we're hoping the church is going to keep together. As long as Caleb's here, we'll be fine. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You need to be making disciples to grow this place now. You need to have men and women who are faithfully studying this word on their own. Because what happens when the day that you have to go, what happens if I'm in here preaching one day and you say, oh, this could never happen in America, Caleb. If I'm standing in this sacred desk and all of a sudden... Somebody comes through that back door armed and saying, Caleb Gordon, you're under arrest for preaching that word. So that could never happen in America. It's happening in Canada. That's right. And eventually it's going to get here. Where men who stand behind this sacred desk and say, thus saith God's word about these cultural issues, about these political issues. Here's what God's word says. I'll never forget, like it, it, was, it was a jaw-dropping eye-opener for me here. When I took a hard stance on abortion, there were people that got livid with me. There were some young college students who said, I'm out, because how dare you? That is, God created you in your mother's room, Psalms 139. You, you don't murder, Period. Pre, you, you, you love your preborn neighbors just as much as you love your neighbors. And I had people, got, they got sideways with me really fast. They're not here anymore. 1 John 2.19. They went out from us to make it plain that they were never part of us. They're, they're pursuing worldly things. 
I took a hard stance on this and said, this is what God's word says. This isn't me. Well, Caleb, you're being judgy. No, I'm not. I'm simply reading the Bible. This is what God's word says. Psalms 139 says, you were knit together in your mother's womb. And the God did not make a mistake. And you were made in the image of God. You're an image bearer of God. And how dare we say that we're going to use instruments to rip these babies apart. And that we're smarter than everyone else. I didn't realize how incredibly, some, how progressive some of the folks that were in this building. A lot of them left. That's okay. Doesn't hurt my feelings a bit. Because guess what? At the end of the day, you're not judging me. Jesus is. And I am faithful to the text, not to you. I love you enough to stand here and say these things to you. But I'm not gonna, I will not back down from these stances. God created two genders. One man, one woman. There's not 372, whatever the number is now. You're, you're delusional and you're in sin. Repent and stop it. God created marriage between one man and one woman. Period. Period. Well, I don't like the way... I think God made a mistake. You realize what you're doing when you say, well, I, I'm, I know I was created as a boy, but I think I'm a girl. You realize what you're doing. You're saying, in essence, the God of the universe made a mistake. You're either really stupid... Or foolish, either one's gonna get you in trouble. Either one is gonna get you in trouble. So remember the text, don't waver on these things. Stick to the Bible, stick to the scriptures. Stick to the word that's able to transform you. The tried and true message that will transform and redeem and set people free from their sinful paths. I need you to realize something. That some of you, we saw it a couple of weeks ago, you're enslaved to Satan and his will and his whims because you're so shackled up with your sin. Man, repent of that and get rid of it and you're set free from that tyranny. Whew. Don't back down from this message. That's what Paul tells Timothy. Don't back down. What you hold in your hand is going to set not only you free, but everyone who follows it. And then he keeps going in verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, the Greek word here in verse 16, all scripture is theophanuskas. You guys want to say that with me? Theophanuskis. That means God breathed. Theo is God. Phanuskis means breathed out. God breathed out his commands. What you're looking at is the breath of God on paper. God breathed these words out. All scripture is breathed out by God himself and is profitable for teaching. So obviously, the teaching aspect of it, you're learning things from the text. And then there's reproof and correction. Those are the, like, we, we don't mind the teaching as much. We don't like that reproof and correction thing. How many of y'all like to admit when you're wrong? Nobody's raising their hand on there. How many of y'all like it when you're right? All right, well, there's a couple of honest people in the room. All right, because that's what, I love it when I'm right. Yay! Right? Reproof. 
So let me read this translation for this. All scripture is inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Pretty, Pretty straightforward, right? That makes us realize what is wrong with our lives. That's the reproof. God's word makes us realize that we're wrong in certain areas. Anybody in the room got it all figured out? No. They don't either. But guess who does have it all figured out? The author of humanity, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the scripture, and then listen, the scripture is like a mirror. It shows us where we're broken and where we need to be remade. Listen. Ladies, every woman in here for the most part, I don't know, I'm not going to go make a full, y'all check mirrors. My wife can spend a lot of time in the mirror. Anybody, she's not here to defend herself, I know, but it'll somehow get back to her. But anybody else spend, you know why we spend time in the mirror? Because we got to make sure, do I got all the crud out of my eyes? Do I got any bats in a cave? Uh-uh. Is there a zit? Oh, we got to clean. Why? You want to make sure that you're presentable to the outside world. The scripture is the same way. We go to the scripture. It's a mirror that exposes where we've fallen short, where we've messed up. We've all sinned, Romans 3.23. We have all fallen short and all sinned in the sight of a holy God. Everybody, including me. I'm just as wicked as you all. Period. We're all together. We're all lumped in the, the, as my dad used to say, the ground around the cross is level. Come on. Okay? So it exposes our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. Dr. Adrian Rogers, who's gone on to be with the Lord, once said, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. When the Word reveals something, whatever it is, take heed to it. Don't just read it and forget it. If you do, you're deceiving yourself. That that makes me think of James. James chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. But be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror and then forgetting it. When he walks away. It's like, all right, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to make sure I'm primped and pro- make sure I'm looking real good here. Got everything in all the places. And then you know, change the whole, change everything, right? So the reproof is exposing where we're wrong. So when you see, when the word of God exposed, this is the beauty in the word of God. It exposes where we're wrong, not just exposing it, but corrects us when we are wrong and then offers a pathway to forgiveness and redemption. It corrects us when we are wrong and then teaches us what to do right. The Lord in his conviction will always expose your sin, but never leave you in it. He'll always show you the road that he paved to get you where you need to get, which is out of your sinful state. You know what the enemy will do? Matt, you're just a, you're just a dirty dog. You're just, 
God can't love you. You've, you've done too much. That's what the enemy will do. Satan will come in and just whisper that. You've done too much. You can't be forgiven. You're too nasty. You know what God will say? Yeah, you are sinful. Yes, you are depraved. Yes, you are a wretch. But I can remake you. I can redeem you. I can, Exodus chapter 6, with a mighty outstretched arm, I can redeem you and I will be your God and you will be my people. That's good news. That God will step into your timeline and say, yes, you've sinned. Yes, you've broken the commands. But I can forgive you. I can blot out your transgressions. And not only that, I can make you new. I can take that old, messy person you were, and I can remake you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. The Lord in his convictions will always expose you for what you are, but never leave you where you are. He'll take you where you're supposed to be, to be looking and following and acting like the Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. All scripture is breathed out by God for his glory and for your good. That's Romans chapter 8. All scripture. And then how does it end up? That the man of God may be complete, equipped, and for every good work. That you may be complete and equipped, ready for every single good work work i I mean i just i can't get over this that there's everything that we need all things everything that's laid up in here if you want to live godly you're going to be persecuted but guess what he provides everything you need everything you need to to get you where you need to go to live this life he provides you everything you need in this text i i like as I get older and the people that I've been around that have gotten older and have met, even gone on to be with the Lord, those that have stayed connected into the word of God and just read it and read it and read it and poured over it. I do not know anybody who is older that just says, man, I've spent too much time in the Bible. Uh, I wish I'd done something else with my life. But yet those that are older and that have, that are gotten older and they didn't spend time in the word as they got older like golly i've wasted so much time i wish i'd spent more time reading god's word pouring over his word why why because the word of god has the the ability to make you complete and equip you for every good work everything that's good it can help get you where you need to be i think of romans chapter 12 when, when Paul, this is also Paul writing in Romans. He writes in Romans chapter 12 and he says this. I beseech you or appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual work. Do not be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That the that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. 
in what's good and acceptable and perfect. How do you renew your mind? By studying God's word. By being in God's word. You renew your mind. And as you do that, you're able to figure out what God, you, man, I'd love to know what God's will is for my life. Read the book. Read the book. Even when you're in the Old Testament going through Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and it's like, <clears throat> there's a point to all that stuff. Man, we, we've been going through, in Sunday school, we've been slowly going through some of the, through Exodus. And listen, isn't there so many things in this that applies to us? Yeah. We're like, oh, wow. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear God. What do we do? On Sunday, we hear from God out of his word. We're like, yeah. Tuesday, where are you, God? I don't even know where you are. <laughs> you were just excited about God's word. What happened? Well, I haven't picked it up since Sunday. But, uh, well, well, silly. Get back in it. Keep reading. Keep studying the word. Where, where do I go? I don't care where you go in the Word. Open it up and just start reading it and ask God to do the work to, in, to enlighten your soul. Scripture also says that His Word doesn't return void. That means as you read it, it's going to help. It's going to mold and shape. It's going to expose. It's going to expose you. But that's okay. I'd rather be exposed now and let God do some work on me now, change me now, than to stand before him in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 24, 25. We stand before God, and according to Matthew chapter 7, this is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 7, and he, we stand in front of God who, who are religious, and we stand in front of God and say, but God, I, I, I did all these wonders. I was, listen, I went to First Baptist Church. I, I, I fed the homeless. I, I helped at the homeless shelter. I, I gave to charity. I helped the little orphans. I did this. I did this. I, I even helped with the building campaign. I, helped, I even led singing sometimes, Lord. God, Scripture says that Jesus, Jesus will look at them plainly and say, Depart from me, you who work iniquity, or who work evil, or who work lawlessness. I never knew you one of the most terrifying verses in all of the bible is that day when you stand before god you know who he is i know you i know who that guy oh jesus i know you i know you who are you i don't know who you are john 10 says that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him it's one thing for you to know Jesus, it's another thing for Jesus to know you. And listen, it's possible. The only thing that is separating you from an authentic, genuine, real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is your own sin and your unwillingness to, to, to relent, to let it go, to cast it aside, to repent of your sins, and then not just throw it down and just stare at it, but stare and run. Throw it away and run away from your sin as far as you can. God's word will do the thing that is necessary to equip you to be able to do what you need to do in this life, which is what? Worship God. Follow him. 
pursue him. Pursue holiness. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Now, what's the scripture say, though? All who want to pursue these things will be persecuted. So I'm not going to be the guy that sells you. Because there are preachers who will say, Hey, give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be awesome. I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm the worst salesman. You should repent and give your life to Christ, but it doesn't mean it's not going to get worse here. It could get difficult. You, got, you might get made fun of. You might lose your job. You might get persecuted. But guess what? You get Jesus at the end of it, and that's more than sufficient because I can promise you in 10,000 years, you're not going to be like, man, I wish I hadn't followed Jesus. I really went after that job, or I went after that relationship, or I went after that stuff. No, in 10,000 years, you're going to be like, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. I am so grateful. I am so thankful I trusted him. I am so thankful that he loved me. I am so thankful that he revealed my sinfulness to me and he wiped it away. I am so grateful that God chose to make that decision on my behalf, that he loved me so much to take that sin away from me. This is Romans chapter 4. Where Paul writes in Romans chapter 4. I love this. Listen to this. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count his sin. Like that's, I promise you, I don't care what kind of life you're living right now. If you repent of your sins and you trust and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a day when you're going to stand and you're going to be like... I can't believe it. I, I got in. Made I made it. I shouldn't have made it. Like, listen, there's nobody going to be walking into the kingdom going, Yeah, I'm here. I'm like, ah, I deserve this, baby. <laughs> oh! You, that's not going to be happening. You know what's going to be happening? You're going to be like, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe I got in here. I can't believe I'm doing this. That's like that time I got um, 